Good evening, everyone. Good to see you this uh, tonight. We're going to turn our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4 this evening. Thanks for coming out on uh, this Wednesday evening, being part of the service tonight. And uh, certainly as we draw into the end of the month, we're uh, probably all busy planning our our family get-togethers and a little bit of our plans for, for Christmas, perhaps, and uh, maybe part of that is the busyness of trying to get all the, the gifts wrapped up and maybe shopped and everything else, trying to avoid the crowds and, you know, the stressful part of, of this season, perhaps. And um, I think if we were all honest, at some point, maybe even at this point in your life, you're, all you're looking forward to is just getting those prezzies. And, um, and sometimes we can make Christmas a little bit, a little bit just about that. And if we're not, uh, if we're we're not careful, and I think we all understand that there's elements of this season now that it just has become commercialized. You know, we were just in Thailand, and Thailand is not a Christianized nation by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but walking there, and progressively as we've as I've gone there each year, um, there's just been more and more Christmassy types of decoration. And especially this year, it just seemed to be even more. And maybe, maybe if that might be strange to those coming from a different place that you know celebrates openly and celebrates quite traditionally the Christmas season. But really, when you come down to it and you think about why they would do that, that most ties wouldn't know who Jesus is. They wouldn't know. But the only reason they have it is because. It's good for the bottom line, right? It's good for the it's good for their earnings, and there's a bit of that. And and you know you might think, well, that's a bit cynical. Well, I just think that if you really think about it, they don't know what Christmas is about. Um, just like when we have here in Australia the Halloween decorations, which really annoys me, right? So that's that's not a holiday here. We don't know anything about that, but it's all about the commercial value. And, you know, um, I'm not against gifts, all right, just in case you didn't, uh, you didn't know that. I'm not against those. I'm not a Scrooge by any stretch of the imagination. But I think sometimes we can, we can get into that, and just like anything, we can just sort of take for granted the, even the, the gifts that were given. And, you know, we are in such a society that for years and years, right, we have the, the tradition of Christmas Day, but then what's the next day? Boxing Day. Why? Because traditionally, whenever there's been gifts given that haven't been liked, you rebox them. Or whatever else, you just put it away or you return it and so forth. And whatever, you know, that, that, that is what that day is for. Um, and so sometimes we can take for granted a little bit of that, you know, the gifting that we, the, the gifts that we get at the end of the year and, and uh, perhaps even your children, you know, we try to teach our children to be thankful for what they get and to be thankful for what they receive. Why? Because we're trying to model for them the fact that we have a Heavenly Father who's a gift giver, right? He's, a, he's every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And we understand that even the, the very nature of salvation, it's a gift from God. It's a gift of God. And so we also understand that, that 
In life, we receive things from others, but more than likely, ultimately, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So actually, we have a Heavenly Father who is a gift giver. He's a giver. And so we may look at that, and, and sometimes we, we just do things out of duty. You know, you ever been to a, maybe a, a, a work gift exchange, and you just know you have to spend this amount, so you just buy the, the first thing you see for that amount. And we sort of give gifts thoughtlessly. And sometimes we do that in, in just who we are and, and what we do. And what I'm saying is sometimes that act of being the giver or even being the recipient of a gift we, we just sort of, it becomes meaningless. It becomes just another thing, that another tradition, another thing that we do. But when it comes down to it, um, we ought to have a, a mindfulness about just the, the, that act of being a giver and being a recipient of gifts. And I think about what the Apostle Paul said here in Philippians chapter 4, because there was a time where he received a gift, and it was a needful gift. And there's some things I think we can learn about that. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. We'll read down to verse 19. And notice what he says here. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia... No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all, and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I think there's, a, there's, there's some chapters in the, the Word of God that just the individual verses themselves are so inspiring. And sometimes we can nitpick at, at uh, singular verses from passages without understanding the complete context of it. And I know, you know, uh, there's no, you've probably seen athletes, different places that would, would write there, Philippians 4.13, maybe that was your little tagline, trying to motivate yourself. But in the midst, of, that verse is in the midst of this discussion that, that really Paul was having that in his letter regarding a gift that he received in a time of need. And I think all of us here, we appreciate more the kind of gifts that we receive at times by the hand of others through, uh, by the hand of God through others when we are in a time of need. I think that's why in, in such a prosperous society that we have, in, in such a, an abundant society that we, like we live in today, why we're not as appreciative of gifts and we're not as thoughtful about gifts. Because really, it's in times of need when we truly appreciate those. 
And what we find in, in the life of Paul here was there was a need that needed to be met. And this church here was able to then meet that. And he immediately understood some things about that when he received that gift. And I want to bring that out to you tonight. Firstly, I think for him, this gift represented really got to this. And as he immediately when he, he referred to this and as he responded to the church in Philippi, his first thought was, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. You know, it wasn't just the, the uh, a thank you. You know, I was, uh, I was with Brother Phil Parry this afternoon. We were talking about how there's those instant messaging. You know, now it's just instant communication. And how before you, you would, if you were courting someone, you would have to write a letter. Some of you are like, what's that? It's like an email, right? But you had to probably handwrite it. And then you had to put it in an envelope. And then you lick the envelope. And then, you, no, you probably shouldn't lick the envelope, but some of you did. And then you, you close it, then you put a thing called a stamp, all right? You put a stamp, and usually it arrives a week or maybe two or three weeks later, depending on how far it has to travel. Okay, it's not instantaneous, so you have to make your words count. And so, and then you receive a one-letter response, K. You know, how thoughtful. And this is what was happening really in the life of Paul. He understood, the, he understood the significance of this. And so he thought about what to write. And we understand under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. But he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. When he thought about this gift, it immediately actually made him think about God's personality. Who God is. And, and he rejoiced in the Lord. You know, it's good to get a gift but often we don't think about the gift giver. You know, as children, you, we try to teach our kids, right, that the gifts under the Christmas tree or the gifts that are received maybe at other times, it wasn't from Santa Claus. It wasn't from someone else. We try to teach them, yes, we gave you that, but that's a blessing from God. We try to help them understand that any kind of benefit or any kind of reception that we get that's actually from God's hand. And I know we're us, we're, we're really careful. You know, sometimes we get a gift from, from, uh, from the church or someone from church, and we're careful to tell our kids, no, that God did that. And we're thankful for our church, but God, let's rejoice in God. Because really that act of gift giving, it's firstly patterned in God's personality, in who God is. And the, the gift speaks really to the nature of someone giving of that one giving. Uh, we all, again, have received gifts that we sort of looked at and said, wow, thanks, you really don't know me. <laughs> right? For honest. But, but there are those that they just know you and, and then the gift that the, you know they've thought about that. You know that they've thought about, well, this person's going to appreciate this because I know what they're like. And that's the way God is. God's not just generous for generous sake, he's generous because he knows us. He knows how to meet needs. And so God's, it really speaks of God's personality. And what he firstly thinks about is the certainty of God's care. He rejoices in, in God greatly. And, and, and Paul immediately placed his thanks on the one that enabled the gift in the first place. That, that supplied in, in, in the hands of these Philippians the ability 
to meet this, this need and gave him this gift that was so significant. And Paul understood that it was through the hands, really, of the church, but it was through God's working in them. Because he says later on in that verse, he says, your, Now at the last, your care of me hath flourished again. And he's going to refer to it later on. They had met other needs previously. They were those who were sensitive to the Lord, um, meeting, meeting needs through them. And he says there that wherein you were also careful. They weren't, it wasn't just thinking about, the, it wasn't just saying there that, that, uh, that they, were, they were very uh, specific about the gift that they gave, but they were full of care for him. He was saying that you were careful, but he says, but you lacked opportunity. What he was saying is you were so sensitive to God uh, using you to meet a need that, that you were just ready. That you would have done it, but you actually, you, you saw that there was no need until now. And so they had a readiness to do that, but it was, it was God's enabling. That he, and Paul understood, really, this was God's care for him. And these people here, they were in tune with God's opportunities for giving to needs. And, and can I say, this is God's care plan for his people. You know, you think about the, the needs that come to, to our, our, uh, our screens here sometimes, even the ones that are read out as, uh, as, as Brother Jewel, sometimes he, he'll read out a, a prayer letter. If you've received those emails from our, uh, from, that summarized uh, versions of our prayer letters from missionaries, and sometimes you hear of the needs out there, and sometimes you even hear of needs within the congregation. You know, God's care plan for His people is that He He would use you and I in our increase that He gives us, give us an ability then to help meet the needs of others. That's God's care plan. You know, we we sometimes look at that and we go, well, why can't we be the gift giver? Sometimes it's good to. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so the certainty of God's care, as much as God will supply to us, we ought to supply for others. But then we see God's, uh, his contentment in God's conditions. Because in verses 11 and 12, he now reflects, it's, and he, he's, he's careful to tell them, no, he's not just rejoicing in the Lord because of the fact that a, a need was met. He's just rejoicing in the Lord regardless. Because what he says in verses 11 and 12, not that I speak in respect of want or desire, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So he's saying in whatsoever state. Now that's not speaking about you know, different, different regions. It's speaking about just conditions, all right? right? He wasn't just happy because he lived in Queensland or New South Wales. He's saying the condition that he was in. Whatever circumstance he found himself in, he learned to be content. But notice that he says he learned to be. You know, it's not just human nature to just be the kind of person who's content. That, that's God's working in our lives, but that's something that God teaches us over time. And, God, and, and Paul had gone through enough to know that there's different states that he sometimes lives in. He, there's different circumstances. And he describes that for us in verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. And so... He says, everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He's saying, I go through the, this pendulum of, of, of being abased and, and then abounding and hungering and being full. And he, he understands that there's, there's circumstances that just happen all the time in life. And he says, in all of those, I've learned to be content. 
And you know, the, the person that can do that is a person who can rejoice in the Lord. You know, I think sometimes we, we say, yes, I rejoice in the Lord, but then there's an asterisk, there's conditions. And there's some conditions that aren't acceptable to us. There's conditions that, that excuse us or justify our misbehavior. It justify our unthankfulness and our discontent and our whining and our griping. And yet what Paul was trying to teach the Philippians is there's a gratitude for God's certain care for him, but he was also contented in the conditions that God allowed him to go through. And, and we need to have a mindset that in all of that, God is good. And that's hard. I'm not saying that lightly this evening. I understand. And, and there's times where we just want to. But we, we also are, he's, he's teaching us here that really the gift doesn't matter so much as the giver of the gift. He met a need. And, and he, was, he was understanding that there's, there's conditions that he had to go through, and yet he could rest content in God. You know, I think the basis of that at times is the expectation of nothing. You know, we're spoilt for, for the, the kind of life that we can live here in Australia. We really are. You just visit different places around the world. You, you visit there in Thailand and you see the, the meager living that people make. You, you go over to the mountains of Sri Lanka and you watch as the tea plantation workers, they, they walk back to their homes that are really just shanties and they've, they've picked all day... Uh, uh, kilograms of tea leaves, and they're only getting $2 a week. You, you think about those that, uh, that are in rural places, even in Argentina and Paraguay, and you look at those places and you see, and you, you see the, the hardship often of others. And it's always humbling that you go to those places and you sit with those that are God's humble servants and they try to be generous to you. You know, I just remember the last time I was in the Philippines and I got the opportunity to preach different places and each one of those places weren't at all in comparison anywhere close to the kind of level of living we get here. But I just remember sitting and, and preaching after, uh, after preaching, sitting with several of these good men who just had a joy of the Lord and they would try to give me a love gift. They would try to say, can we pay for the meal? And you just, you're just blown away that they would still try to be generous towards you. And you look at that, but it, it's actually what, what they've understood is to be content and to rejoice in the Lord. But what we see is we also, in verse 13, there's a confidence in God's constancy. Because he says there, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And again, I don't think there's any other verse maybe except for John 3.16, that's overused in society today. Um, this verse is used for every motivational need. But in the context of our passage, it was Paul's declaration, really, of his dependence on God in his times of his greatest needs. He says that I can do all things through Christ, and he's the one that strengthens me. We're strengthened by him. And so, again, it's, 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 he's, he's re relaying to the Philippians a thankfulness for the gift, but relaying to them really God's personality. And what that is, he had confidence in God's constancy. 
that God will be there, that God will strengthen in times of great need, that even if, humanly speaking, our needs are met, God is there to be able to sustain us, to be able to strengthen us. And it was God that strengthened when He needed Him most. It was God that gifted to meet the need. It was God that sustained in the time even when no gift came because in other places, Paul will say, no man stood with me. In other places, he says, no one communicated to me. And yet Paul here in this great book of rejoicing, that's a great theme of the book of Philippians. In his time here, really, writing to these people, he understood again God's constancy and he relayed that to them. So the gift, a gift speaks of God's personality. But then also we see in verses 14 to 20, we see also God's proficiency. And we can't neglect the fact that this was a gift given and it was one to meet a need, but also it spoke about one's ability to bless and meet that need. You know, again, I refer to those brethren that, that uh, you know are, weren't, even, weren't even really scratch the amount that we would on average make here in Australia. But their generosity, and sometimes you just don't want to receive that. You know, you're, you feel bad. You know that they've given you this and they really can't afford it. And, and yet, yet, Paul here, he, he didn't have second thoughts of receiving it. He, he didn't have second thoughts. In fact, he, he tells them, notwithstanding, he says, you have well done. He says that you did communicate with my affliction. You know, he, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't hesitate. He understood what this was. And, um, and again, he, he, he speaks to, to this in, in Acts 20, 35. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And what we see is God's ability to meet the need, God's proficiency. And... What God does, He has His messengers, because He says there in verse 14, notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. And God's messengers don't have to be angelic hosts. They don't have to be ravens that come out of nowhere, right? It could be the brethren who sacrifice to communicate to your need. It could be, by extension, communicate God's ability to provide through them. And we've spoken a little bit about that already. So we see that God has his messengers, but God has his means as well. In verse 15 to 16, he says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, he says, No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but then he says, But ye only. That was God's means. You know, it may not be someone else. It may be you. It might be you that, God has blessed and God has given that burden for. And we already know that the church was full of care. They were waiting for an opportunity to bless. So it's this, with this kind of heart that God demonstrates His ability to provide. There was a willingness. That's God's means. And God's means can be you. God's means can be His blessing of you to be able to bless others. And in verse 16, he says again, Ye sent once and again unto my necessity. And so there was a pattern there in the life of this church, in the life of these people, and, and God's means has often come through God's channels, and, and that's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be channels, not reservoirs. 
We're meant to be those that flow out the blessings of God to those around us. And we're meant to have that mentality. And, and we see here that this is God's means. And God's means has often comes through God's channels. And apparently he gave this church the means because they used it. But then in verses 17 to 19, we see God has his mutuality. And what that is, is, you know, the amazing thing about God is really the trite saying, we really can't outgive God. You know, if we just do what he desires for us to do, then there's some things that come back to us. Because he says in verse 17, not because I desire a gift. This wasn't about just meeting something he wanted. He says, I am full. He says, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And what he was saying here is you met this need. This wasn't a net loss for you. This was actually a net fruitfulness that we can, because there's fruit here to be had. And we underestimate the fruitfulness that we can have by just simply being the giver. And God's provisions come with God's rewards when we obey. So Paul understood that, this, that his acceptance of it meant that they would, in return, bear fruit. You know, um, speaking of, of missionaries, you know, most missionaries that I've traveled with, they, they just, have a, a, just have that eye, don't they, for, for needs around. And I remember one time I was with a, with a missionary. It was my first trip um, and, you know, everything was new, everything that I was seeing was different, and I was just excited to see what God was doing in a different place, and I remember he was going around, and, and whenever he saw someone with a need, he would sit with them and talk and a little bit, and then before long, he was giving them a little bit of, of help financially, and I remember one time I said to, to him, you know, please, please don't do that, let me do it. I was trying to follow his lead. You know what he told me? He goes, can you not rob me of being a blessing? And his attitude was, I'm, gonna, I'm doing this, but this is fruit. This is fruitfulness. And, you know, sometimes in our mindset, we're a bit cynical. And we just try to, try to you know, reason other means. And we sort of go, oh, look at him trying to show that off. But listen, Paul understood. This gift, it, it was generous. It met a need but there was going to be a corresponding fruitfulness in their lives. There was a mutual benefit here. And God's provisions come with God's rewards. And in verse 18, he says, But I have all and abound, and am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And so he understood there that not only was this going to be fruit to their account for their... their the, the, the fact that they gave this gift, it demonstrated God's proficiency through them. But also, notice there, it was something that was acceptable, well-pleasing to God. You know who else was blessed? God was blessed. God was blessed to see this action, this transaction. God was blessed to see the sacrifice of His people. God was blessed to see that the, this gift-giving, because why? Why? Because it harks to His personality. It's like Him. And when we're like Him, He's pleased. When we're like Him in our actions, when we're like Him in our attitudes, when we're, we're like Him in our lives, it just pleases Him. And, and He says that in, 
You know, I think about this verse in Hebrews 13, 16. He says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Hey, you know, if you're a Christian tonight, that, that ought to be your heart's desire is to please God. And so he looks at that and he says, you know, I'm going to please. Uh, not only is it that I've received the Epaphroditus, I've benefited. But he says, you know, well, who else benefits? God benefits. He's well pleased. And so it, it blesses the recipient and the channel of blessing. It also pleases the ultimate giver, God himself. But then he says in verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes we arbitrarily quote that. But the condition of that was there was giving first. The condition of that was there was a sacrifice. The condition of that was they were willing to be used to meet a need and they, were see, they saw themselves as a means of God's proficiency. This gift represented that. And, and God's heart for giving abounds to those who willingly give. See, the sacrifice always turns into a benefit. That's the kind of God we have. He looks at that and he, he, it blesses him. And then he goes, you know, I'm going to supply your need. And you know, it's not, it's not this limited way, he says, to his riches, according to his riches, in glory by Christ Jesus. And again, you can't outgive God. And maybe you'll get something this year. And, and maybe, rather than just looking at it as just another thing, just another Christmas, another gift that you'll sort of sit there, maybe you'll think about the one who ultimately was the giver. Maybe you'll think about God's perfect gift. Maybe you'll think about God's unspeakable gift. I think that's why salvation is called the gift of God. Because it, all, it speaks all about God's personality. He was willing to give himself. And it speaks all about God's proficiency because he's the only one that can save. He's the only good enough gift. And so tonight, don't just look at that gift that you're going to get this year just like you have any other year. Think about how that speaks about God's personality and it speaks about God's proficiency. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your goodness. Lord, you are such a good and gracious God. And we're thankful for you, thankful, dear God, that, Lord, even in the, the sometimes even the to token things of life, Lord, it, it really speaks of your nature and your character. And help us, dear God, to appreciate all that you've given us. Help us to appreciate those that you use to meet needs. And I pray that you'd bless those, Lord, who are so willing, Lord, and are so sensitive and so in touch with, Lord, what you would have them to do with, the, the, Lord, the blessings that they receive from you. And so we're thankful, Lord, for this season. Lord, may it truly be a season of giving as your children. Help us to look around and, and help us to see how we can be a blessing to others. Lord, so that we can testify of your goodness upon our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Joel.